What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, and on today's episode of Locked On Dolphins, we are getting into some quotes yesterday from several prominent members of the Miami Dolphins talking about a transaction for a new addition to the team and taking our first dip of the toe into the water for Jets hating. So go ahead, buckle in, and get ready. Here comes another episode of Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? This is your host, Kyle Krabs, here on Locked On Dolphins. Today is Tuesday, November 16th. 2021. The Miami Dolphins are three and seven, but we are getting the opportunity to right the ship this week with a matchup against the New York Jets. Kyle Krabs, lifelong Dolphins fan, director scouting draftnetwork.com, your host here today on the show. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins podcast listen of the day. And I think I want to start, of course, what we need to start with the damn San Francisco 49ers. I thought for sure at a primetime opportunity against the L.A. Rams coming off of a loss, we were going to see the 49ers fall two, three, and 6 on the season, which would put them just a half game better than the Miami Dolphins. And then we could put to bed this whole draft pick charade. And no, of course, the 49ers crushed. Last night, they crushed the Rams. Uh, turns out, I don't think Kyle Shanahan has lost to Sh- uh, Sean McVay in, in three seasons now. <laughs> so, um, the San Francisco 49ers, that draft pick watch, uh, will continue. Uh, but it's not it's not all gloom and doom uh, as it pertains to this draft pick as things currently stand. Because remember, uh, the Dolphins themselves are three and seven. San Francisco with the win went from 10th to 12th and the pressure is going to be on Miami to get the wins uh, because these top eight teams, when it's all said and done, you got five wins. You're going to be in that window. You're going to be in that strike. zone. Uh, Miami has a great opportunity over the course of the next couple of weeks to collect some more wins and create that distance and that separation from that bottom tier. Now, when you lose seven of your first eight, yeah, you're going to be in the bottom of the bucket tier. So the separation as you get into the middle tier becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And you see that with how San Francisco's pick was impacted with a win. Like I said, they went from 10th to 12th. Miami, should they win, and the teams in front of them lose this upcoming week. They're a half game out of being the number nine pick. And they're a full game out of being the number 10 pick. So one week can flip all of that. And then that separation will continue to get smaller and smaller for the Dolphins and the changes in their draft picks as well. So, man, it would have been nice to wake up this morning and see those teams back to back. It didn't happen. But that's okay. We're going to take it in stride. Life's always a little bit easier when you got a couple of dubs under your belt, right? And I couldn't help but feel that way about some of the transcripts and the press avail- uh, media availabilities 
on Monday as well. You're looking at the questions, guys, and you're looking at the tone of the responses. Like the monkey's off the back at this point, right? The lose the big losing streak is over. And I'm not saying that though, oh, it's all peaches and cream and life's merry and sunshine and rainbows and all that jazz. No, I'm not saying that. But you see Mike Jacecki and, and he's talking about being up from New Jersey and referencing guys uh, being in Pensahawken and and going back home to play the Jets and how that's kind of nice. And uh, you you see some of the other uh, questions and and the nuance responses that you're getting from guys. Everybody's a little bit looser or a little bit more willing to kind of engage in the conversation and get out of the coach speak that exists. But the biggest change in messaging and deviation from the past couple of weeks came courtesy of Brian Flores when he was asked, hey, we know Tua, he said he he banged his finger up in there against the Rams and he's obviously still got this finger and it's impacting his throne. Who's starting on Sunday against the Jets? And Brian Flores decided not to take the cute route, not to overthink it. And sometimes it's better to just let your best player play at a position. And that's what Tua Tungvala is at quarterback. He said, I expect Tua Tungvaloa to start on Sunday against the Jets. Collective exhale from all of us. Obviously, he's going to have some discomfort with the finger. He banged it the other day. We are trying to avoid that, but it happened. He's had some rest and practice today, and it's my expectation for this weekend. Um, and then we got some other injury updates, which I think are prominent because, you know, we as Dolphins fans were interested in seeing if this team can go on a run. A lot of times that's what you see good teams do too, by the way, uh, the Dolphins didn't hold up their, their end of the bargain on the first half of the season. But I know I've said this when we did the schedule predictions, good teams go on runs in the back half of the year. If you can play 500 or mildly above 500 football, or if you have a soft schedule, play winning football for the first month, month and a half of the season, and then things fall into place, and then you can play your best football and you can string things together and you can go on a run like the Dolphins did last year, sans the one and three start, that's a great place to be. That's exactly what you routinely see teams do year over year over year. And it's a shame, too, because, you know, I I think about what my schedule prediction was for the Dolphins. And I believe I had them at six and four through the first 10 games of the season. We're through 10 games of the season and they're three games off that pace. And somebody remind me how many games the Dolphins lost this season. By the last play of the game being a game winning field goal for the other team. Oh, right. Yeah. Three. Of course, the Dolphins. We still, we talked about it. they couldn't get a bounce of the ball in their way for two months. If they get two bounces of the ball in those two close games that go the other way, they could only really be a a game off the pace that we had originally projected. They'd be five and five, and as we talked about, in a position to potentially go on a run. And the messaging this week on the podcast, much like the messaging coming out of the press conferences this week, is a little different. But it deserves to be a little different when you win two home games in five days and you beat the Ravens on primetime football. I'm not going to 
you know, continue to hammer the holes and the blind spots and the long-term issues that exist, because you guys don't want to hear that for another week, right? We acknowledge that they exist, but right now we're a little bit more in the process of what this team is doing right now, what they've changed, how the script has flipped, at least on the defensive side of the football. And I'm really fascinated and intrigued to see what they do with this opportunity for the next month, which is why we're going to spend some time talking about um, the injuries that Brian Flores mentioned. Malcolm Brown will not be back this week, running back. Michael Dieter is getting closer, unlikely for this week, though that is a bummer. And the same for Will Fuller getting closer, unlikely though for this week. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just write Will Fuller off for the rest of the season. So that way, if he plays, wow, what a pleasant surprise that would be. So the Dieter one's a buzzkill, though, because he's one of those guys who goes into that evaluation bucket for us, right? We're trying to figure out what he is, what he can be. And we don't know because he can't play because he's injured. He had the foot injury. Austin Ryder's been okay. I would classify it as just okay. Greg Mans was fine. Dieter was objectively good for the first month of the season. And if he can come back, let's say you get six games out of him when he comes back. Well, no, you'd get five if he came back next week. You'd be talking about approximately a half a season's worth of games of Michael Dieter. I don't think that's going to be enough in any situation for you to fly blind and say, yes, we're set here. But it might be enough to prevent you from feeling compelled to bring in two new bodies and pay them premium dollars. But if you're going to go after guys like David Andrews, like the Dolphins did last year, at least make a competitive offer. Anybody remember that? Dolphins were in on David Andrews, but they gave him a low ball offer and he went back to New England because the money was similar. And I had that realization the other week. And man, that, that one hurt to swallow. That realization. That you low ball David Andrews. Uh, but maybe it's enough for you to draft a guy in the third round and feel comfortable between the two. I don't know. If you do that, I'd certainly be making sure I'm swinging hard. Right tackle, left guard, and potentially another contender at left tackle. The concern with Liam Meikenborg right now is I think he's getting worse on a weekly basis. And I don't know how that fixes itself and corrects itself over the, the final stretch of the season. Um, but you need at least three new starters in this offensive line next year, depending on what you feel about Michael Dieter. And we're running out of time for Michael to feel as though he's going to be the guy who can take that spot. No questions asked. In life, we're all bound for different things. With beachbound.com vacations, you could be bound for adventure, passion, discovery, togetherness, immersion, rejuvenation, or you may be bound for encountering the unexpected. Personally, when I hit the road and I'm on the beach at a resort, I'm bound to end up poolside or maybe creating my own taco flight 
As long as I've got a good view and a good drink, I'm happy as can be. With Beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what you're looking for. What are you bound for? Visit Beachbound.com today. There's a new Miami Dolphin. His name is Andrew Billings. And he is a interior defensive lineman. He cleared waivers yesterday, and the Miami Dolphins have scooped him up. And usually, when a player gets cut and hits waivers, my first inclination is to hop on social and just quote tweet it from Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport with the word, no. Is everybody, all fans of all 32, 31 other teams, when somebody gets cut, all the fans want to say, hey, let's go get this guy. But Andrew Billings actually makes sense. And I almost got on social and quote tweeted from Adam Schefter in Rappaport and said, yes. But I didn't. Slipped through the cracks. But wouldn't you know, they actually did it. They actually did go out and they did sign Andrew Billings. And I like this addition because if he comes in and he plays to a modest level, which I think he's capable of playing, this is a former uh, highly athletic nose tackle from the University of Baylor. Uh, he's short, stout, dense. I think an environment for him playing behind Raekwon Davis is an opportunity for him to really align himself and continue to manage appropriate expectations for him as a player. He's not really a pass rush guy. People wanted him to be a pass rush guy because he splashed big at Baylor and showed big time athleticism. That's not who he is. But it would be nice to have somebody from time to time. And, and the Dolphins get away with this too, because of how they, they play their defensive fronts. You know, Raekwon's not on the field for an obscene amount of snaps. But the Dolphins right now really don't have anybody behind a Raekwon to play on the nose. John Jenkins, who took over for Raekwon when he spent the early season stint on IR, John Jenkins has played 10 defensive snaps since the end of week four. 10. And since Raekwon Davis has come back from IR, Starting in week five, he's played 39, 36, 33, 33, 31, 23 snaps this season. And he's been good. But to have another young body behind that to potentially cross young nose tackle off the list of team needs entirely and to get him on the waiver wire in November, I'm a big fan. I think this is a very good low-risk opportunity for the Dolphins to get a younger piece to serve as the backup behind uh, their very role-specific nose tackle in Raekwon. And I love the fact that they went out and they got him. And, and he was a guy not too long ago who was very high in demand uh, and, and actually signed a reasonable size contract as well. Andrew Billings, who I believe was a, I want to make sure I get the 
the number right here. He was a fourth round pick. He was drafted 122nd overall in 2016. For Cleveland this year, he's hardly been able to get on the field. But historically, uh, this is somebody who, as recently as 2019 in Cincinnati, played 61% of the defensive snaps. He started 30 games in a two-year stretch from 2018 to 2019 and was a reasonably productive, productive nose-tackle football player. In that 2018 season, he had two-and-a-half sacks, eight tackles for loss, another seven quarterback hits. He's got some quick twitch to him, but it's linear. And again, if you're playing a nose tackle role, much like Raekwon Davis, that's just not something you're going to be asked to do. But the Dolphins' defensive system, more than Cleveland and more than Cincinnati, puts their nose tackle in a position to get one-on-one opportunities against opposing centers. And Andrew Billings, who's checking in at 6'1", 328 pounds very much has the initial first step quickness and power in his body to be somebody who I think can be a better version of himself as a player in Miami in the the role that the Dolphins ask their nose tackle to fulfill. And he doesn't even have to do it on a full-time basis because he's backing up Raekwon Davis. That to me is a nice hit, a nice boom for the Miami Dolphins at this point in the season, an off-season or an acquisition that could potentially axe an off-season need altogether off the team's needs list. What couldn't you like about that? What don't you like about saving money? Two, Dolphins fans. Credible app for everyone who buys gas that they need to know about. It's called Get Upside. Listeners are making up 25 cents per gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN, and you'll get a bonus 25 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill up, up to 50 cents total cash back per gallon on your first fill up. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. People who drive a lot are saving as much as two to $300 a month in cash back. And there's no catch. The cash gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card such as Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. Let's talk a little bit about the Jets. Most specifically, if you're somebody like me and you're well-versed in the history of the New York Jets, because you have to be, because they play the Dolphins twice a year, and you're also well-versed in the history of AFC East personalities, you'll understand that Rex Ryan is not very high up on the list personalities that I love. I enjoy Rex Ryan, the um, analyst on TV. I enjoy Rex Ryan from a defensive X's and O's and philosophical standpoint. But Rex Ryan spent time as both the head coach of the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills. 
So on that alone, in principle, I can't say that I like Rex Ryan, right? But Rex Ryan had some very, very pointed words at first-year Jets head coach Robert Sala, effectively saying he was offended that there were people that would say Robert Sala is the next Rex Ryan and proceeded to hammer the jets for they're using excuses that that their safeties are hurt, but nobody cares because they were down the jets when Rex Ryan was there was down five corners and, you know, it never looked as bad as what it looks like right now. And the jets have given up 175 points over the last four games. And some, minute-long tirade on Robert Sale that Rex Ryan had. And I heard it, and I was like, oh, well, that's fun. Thank God we're at least not at that juncture of the season. You'd think the Jets were in year three of a rebuild and two and seven instead of year one of a rebuild. But then Robert Sale was asked about it, and Robert Sale clapped back at him. And I said, oh, yeah, this is fun. This is New York. This is very New York. And Robert said, if it's that personal for him, he knows where to find me. Very, very fun. And what better time for these kinds of issues to bubble up than just in time for the weak matchup against the Miami Dolphins in week 11. And remember, the Dolphins played on Thursday. Jets played on Sunday. Miami is getting a little bit of rest. We do have to head up north, and I am in this general neck of the woods. I could tell you it is uh, Tuesday morning right now and outside. It is a brisk 31 degrees here in the state of Delaware. So it's about the same up by New York, northern New Jersey, I should say. Uh, But by game time, it's probably going to be in the high 50s, low 60s. So temperature is not really going to be a factor for the game. The Dolphins are getting a mini buy. They get a little extra set of rest here. And uh, the Jets coach is having a public spat with the former coach of the team about who's a better defensive coach. And oh, by the way, the Jets struggling greatly uh, on the defensive side of the ball for an offense in Miami that can use all of the help. And when I say all of the help, I literally mean all of the help that they can get right now. You do like to think that Miami finding some explosive plays, there were some coverage busts by Baltimore. Um, that, that helped feed that. But I think Miami managed to get well, some communication breakdowns with some of their pre-stap stuff that they were doing. And that was kind of in the original vision of what we expected this offense was going to look like before the season started. So if from a preparations perspective, you can get the young pieces of this offense at a point where they – can take those responsibilities in stride, then let's go ahead and let's do that. 
Let's try to manufacture more communication breakdowns. Let's try to keep continue protecting the football. The Jets this season have forced seven turnovers in nine games. Since they had their bye week in week six, they forced three in four games. Miami obviously had five turnovers against the Houston Texans one week ago on Sunday, and then none and protected the ball all game long against the Ravens, which helped them secure a win. There are a lot of get-right opportunities here. The Jets' offense over the last four games has 13 turnovers in four games. Miami, four takeaways against the Texans. Obviously had the big fumble returned by Xavier Howard against the Ravens. There's a lot of dynamics here for this football game that should have you as a Dolphins fan excited to see the game on Sunday roll around. No, it's not what anybody thought or hoped it would be from a magnitude of the, the big picture season, playoff contention, et cetera, et cetera. But if you can't get excited to, to play and hopefully beat the New York Jets as a Dolphins fan, Go get your pulse check. It's rivalry weekend. It's Jets hate week. And that's why the tone and the message here on Locked on Dolphins is one of a little bit of intensity, but more importantly, a little bit of excitement. Hope you guys are excited for the rest of the week on the show. We got some great programming coming up. Hope we get our good friend Joe Rose back in the fray this week after my travel trip, which obviously complicated such matters over the course of the last two weeks. Uh, we're going to have John Butchko of Locked On Jets on. Uh, we'll be nice for John. John's a great guy. He's an excellent analyst, um, but he does cover the Jets. So that is a downside that we, we choose to live with, and we accept John for that. And much more. Power to the pod back this week. Again, now that I'm home back at the home base, it's a little easier to um, kind of get all the bells and whistles and, and the interactive dynamics and interviews and all that kind of stuff. So, Lots to look forward to. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. This is your host, Kyle Krabs, signing off for the day. Make it a good one and fins up.